0: My name is Jeffrey Sidoris, and this is Iteration 32. A couple weeks ago, I was talking to a friend from college who I hadn't spoken to in, well, longer than it should have been. It's something I'm trying to work on, but... As you probably know, sometimes life gets in the way. Anyway, during the course of our conversation, catching up on what was happening in each other's lives, he told me that my design professor and the person who was really the cornerstone of the entire technical theater department had passed away last year. I hadn't spoken to him since 1989, but the news of his passing left me a little gutted. Herb Cameron was a scenic designer, a costume designer, a director, and an artist. He was one of the most talented people I ever met, let alone had the pleasure of studying under. When explaining a particular concept, he would routinely grab a pen or pencil and begin to draw, sometimes a costume rendering, other times a scenic elevation. But regardless of what he was drawing, the execution was always impeccable. The real art, however, was that he would make his drawings upside down, either seated or standing from across the table, so that they would be right side up for the intended viewer, who on more than one occasion was me. I had enormous respect for him and the skill he made look so effortless. He was gruff, incredibly difficult, at least that was the memory of my early 20-something self. And if praise ever did escape his lips, it meant the world because you knew that you'd earned it. He was one of the most important mentors in my life, though not for the reasons you'd think. And what had me feeling so gutted hearing of his passing was that I'd never taken the time to tell him just how much he meant to me, or to thank him for giving me not necessarily what I wanted, but exactly what I needed. In 1989, I was a very different person than I am now. I was much more sure of myself, to a fault some would say, and I reveled in my growing ability as a designer. I was good, and I loved being in the theater department. After moving around for so much of my young life, it was the first place that I truly felt like I belonged. My quirks and idiosyncrasies were much less quirky and idiosyncratic in the company of crazies in the theater department than they were in the real world. I'd found my tribe, and during the spring semester, I finally got the chance to assist Herb on one of the department productions, which was one of the last steps before getting to design your own show. While I no longer remember the sequence of events that led up to the talk, as I call it, I do remember the conversation at the center of it, every word of it. Herb called me at home and told me that he wanted to see me in his office and that I was to return all of the materials I had pertaining to the show I was assisting him on. The conversation was short, sweet, and very matter-of-fact. And if I'd been paying attention, foreshadowed what was to come. Rather than recount the entire conversation, I'll just share the parts that really hit home and have stayed with me, sometimes at the back of my mind, sometimes at the front but always word for word for the better part of three decades. Mr. Sidoris, he began, never a good sign. You have two things I cannot teach. You have style and you have flair, and you could be dangerous in this industry. He paused for a moment before continuing. Unfortunately, you're an asshole and nobody wants to work with you. He just let that hang there for a bit, after which the conversation went on for a few more minutes. He said what he had to, just as matter-of-factly as before, and all I could do was stare at him, trying to remain calm on the outside while beginning to seethe internally. He was right, of course, but at the time, my hubris simply wouldn't allow me to hear it. How could he say that to me, I remember thinking to myself. As embarrassing as it is to admit, it was one of a few of those don't-you-know-who-I-am prima-donna moments from that period in my life. Often when I think back on those few years, it's as if I'm reliving someone else's memories rather than my own. I was so young and so arrogant, and had yet to learn the value of experience and the wisdom of others. To borrow a line from Top Gun, my ego was writing checks that my body, or in my case my talent, couldn't cash. But unlike Maverick and Goose, my final screw-up wouldn't mean flying a cargo plane full of rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong. Instead, it was made abundantly clear that I wouldn't be designing in the theater department, or, as it turned out, any other department on campus anytime soon. I left Herb's office angry and humiliated, unsure of what to do next or even what my options were. Herb had no idea what effect his decision would have on me. He had no way of knowing what would be drawn to the surface, that his rejection would ring the same bell as my father's repeated criticism and rejection of who I was as a creative. To be fair, I could have reacted differently. I could have been humble before Herb, asked for a chance to redeem myself. But despite the praise that began the conversation, that final cut was too deep. We don't always get to choose the transformative moments in our lives. Often there is simply life before them, and how you react and who you become in their wake. For me, Herb's decision was a catalyst for one of the most transformative periods in my life, certainly the longest lasting. And one that set the stage for who I'd become in the decades that followed. As it turned out, Texas Shakespeare Festival was holding auditions that week for their upcoming season. I presented my portfolio and ended up landing a job as their prop master for the summer 1989 season. The job meant three months in Texas, and I remember being both excited and terrified when I got the news that I'd gotten the job. What if I was just an arrogant prick that nobody wanted to work with? And if so, Why would I pursue a job in a field for which collaborating with others is the stock and trade? This was going to be a trial by fire and a chance to see whether Herb was right. And if he was right, whether I could somehow learn to eschew the person that I'd become and uncover a different me, maybe even a better one. Accepting the job in Texas set the stage for more than two decades of jobs that forced me to deep dive who I was relative to who I wanted to be. More than that, the journey I had no intention of starting at the time provided me with multiple opportunities to see and refine how I am as a creative, both personally and in the world. What started out as sort of a penance to atone for my hubris began a series of experience that changed me in ways that I didn't anticipate and frankly wasn't prepared for. I became not just interested in working with others, but driven by an interest in others. Their stories became my inspiration. Their experiences fueled my own curiosity. I was and still am a sponge for learning new skills, and my professional experiences since then have crisscrossed media and the visual arts like a Pollock painting, each one building or expanding on what came before it, all the while learning more about who I was. Early on, I struggled with maintaining a balance between the conflicting messages of the conversation with Herb and in the process occasionally traded confidence for sabotage and certainty for paralysis as I questioned my own value as an artist. I didn't have it all figured out when my hand was forced to embark on this journey, and I certainly don't have it figured out now. Albert Einstein famously said that life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. Maybe that's the key to all of this. Just keep moving, slowly and purposefully towards something. And learn to be present enough to know when you're a little off course. Like using those little dots in the road to stay between the emotional guardrails. I wish I had thanked her. I wish I had taken the time to tell him how much I appreciate being put on this path. And could show him who I've become, what I value, and how I live my life. In the show notes, you'll find links to a few things that have caught my eye recently. And this time, they're all videos. The first one is an Academy Award-winning homage to the printed page and the love of books based on a book by William Joyce called The Fantastic Flying Books of Mr. Morris Lessmore. Terrific video. I think you'll like it. The second is a trailer and a behind-the-scenes look at a short called The Lost Property Office. And one of the things that I absolutely love about this stop-motion film is the fact that everything in it was handmade out of cardboard by filmmaker Daniel Agdag. Be sure to watch the behind-the-scenes clip to see how some of it came together. The last video is a drawing demonstration that Bill Sienkiewicz gave at the Illustration Academy. Bill is a giant in the comics industry and has worked on books for both DC and Marvel, and probably best known for illustrating Moon Knight and the Frank Miller series Elektra Assassin. In this video, we get an overhead look as Bill creates an illustration from start to finish and offers some insights into how he creates his signature style. Subscribe to Iterations in your favorite podcast app. And if you'd like to connect with me, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Jeffrey Sadoris. That's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S. Please check out my book, Photography by the Letter, if you haven't already. It's available as both a paperback and a downloadable ebook at photographybytheletter.com. And I'll be back in a couple weeks with another iteration, and I hope you'll join me. Until then, thanks for your time. I appreciate you being here. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'll talk to you on the next one.